Pray with me, please. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, you are my rock and my redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name I pray and let us all say, so, growing up in Gray, Georgia, everyone that I knew had a couple of different jobs. They had, you know, two jobs, a hustle. So, for example, <coughs> teachers did have Folks who worked at Rogers Air Force Base also taught music. And a lady who was a nurse was also a seamstress. Yeah, just about everybody I knew had two or three jobs. They had a hustle. And there was a fellow in Gray by the name of Herman Black. And Mr. Black worked on the railroad. But he was also a painter. He painted houses. And one summer, I tagged along with Mr. Black and got my hustle on and tried to earn a couple of dollars helping him. I would do things like wash out the paintbrushes, put down the drop cloths, and generally try to stay out of his way while trying to make as much money as I could. And so one of the things that Mr. Black did and he taught me was this thing how to whitewash a wall. Now, whitewashing is this thing in which the paint on the wall stays, but you put some kind of a mixture together and it takes that paint and then you put other paint over it and it makes the wall look more appealing to folks. So if you didn't like that color, we're going to whitewash it and then put some more paint on it and make it another color. So it can seem more appealing to someone. Look at that wall. And that summer, we did a whole lot of whitewashing. But Whitewashing is something that is not only done to a wall, it can be also done in the human condition. I mean, we've heard a whole lot about whitewashing lately. Uh, folks change the facts. They forget certain truths. They recreate history so that an event, a situation, or even some person may look more presentable. This treatment has many different names. Fake news. Alternative facts. Taking the fifth. States like Florida have even passed laws that effectively whitewash how students are taught about slavery, Jim Crow, or anything that has to do with race that may put white people in a negative light. Now, from what I heard and learned from Herman Black painting houses, these were the same things as whitewashing. The same wall, same wall, but some stuff was put on it so you can put another coat of paint on it to make it look a little bit more Feeling, a little bit more acceptable for folks' taste. Now, over a half a century ago, 
Martin Luther King died. Dr. King is now a figure of history. Or as Tyrone Brooks said last night, he's safely dead. His life and work are primarily known by speeches and a holiday that portrays Dr. King as a happy warrior, marching, singing, and yes, making those speeches. But the reality is, and those of us who lived during his lifetime know that he was a deeply divisive figure in American society. In August 1966, as King was bringing his civil rights movement to northern cities to address the issues of poverty, slums, and housing segregation, a Gallup poll found that 63% of all Americans had a negative view of Dr. King. Today, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is revealed and viewed as something of an American saint. The most recent Gallup poll said that 94% of Americans viewed Dr. King in a positive light. Now granted, this positive view is the result of some good movement that we've had on race relations. However, I think the result is more about the whitewashing of Dr. King. Because the unwhitewashed truth, truth is this. Like all of us, Dr. King was not a saint. Dr. King had many faults. Dr. King smoked cigarettes. Although he tried to hide it from the camera, he liked to take a smoke. Dr. King, who was famous for his soaring rhetoric, once made a C in a speech class in seminary. Now, he only made one C. I made a whole lot of C's in seminary. <laughs> and yes, Dr. King cheated on his wife. And it's not been revealed that the night before his death, he was in bed with another woman. Now, I tell you all this, Dr. Terry, Dr. King down. But to give his life greater meaning. Because in reality, Dr. King was not a saint, but he was a radical. And believe it or not, God is asking all of us to be radicals as well. For radicals don't get a national holiday named after them. For radicals do not have streets and schools and hospitals named for them. Radicals don't have 94% approval rating. That doesn't happen to radicals. Yeah. However, it does happen to radicals who happen to have been whitewashed. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., as I said, is a radical. He believed that America needed a radical redistribution of the economic and political power that it held. He challenged the American class system and its racial caste system. He opposed U.S. militarism in Vietnam. 
and he was a strong ally of the nation's labor movement. In fact, why was he in Memphis in April of 1968? To support those who were striking garbage workers, union people, for decency. Jesus is also a radical. Jesus is a radical because he believed that the world needed a radical redistribution of economic and political power. Matthew chapter 20, verse 16 says that, so the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Jesus championed the least, the lost, the marginalized, and the forgotten. Like the woman at the well, like the folks who ate who we ate with, like the disciples, like the man that he chose to baptize in. Yes, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, as ordained by God. But he was put on that cross by powerful people in religion and in government who saw him as a threat, who saw him as a radical. And without the whitewashing of Jesus that has taken place, I would dare say there would be those who would consider Jesus a radical today. Now, our text that we're looking at, Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. It tells the story of the baptism of Jesus. Now, when Jesus wanted to be baptized, this is what he did. He went from Galilee down to the Jordan River. And he wanted to be baptized by the most famous baptizer of all. And his name was who? John the Baptist. So he found John the Baptist and said, John, I want you to baptize me. And you know what John the Baptist said? He said, no, I can't do it. I'm not worthy of you, of me baptizing you. It should be the other way around. But here's what Jesus did. Here's the radical thing. In asking John to baptize him, Jesus demonstrated that he sees more in us than we see ourselves. Jesus sees more in us than we see ourselves. Because given the chance, we'll do this. We will whitewash ourselves. We will see ourselves as less than worthy. We will see ourselves as incapable of being the Christian that God wants us to be because of the flaws in our own lives. Yes, Dr. King had flaws. And I know it may be sacrilegious for me to have, to have pointed them out during this sermon. But we have flaws too. I know I do. Let me, let me just say, not, not we, I have flaws. But God wants us anyway. God loves us in spite of our flaws. 
And God wants us to know that being a disciple of Christ is about being faithful. It is not about being perfect. That's a concept that is both radical, but it is also a concept that is true. Dr. King gave his life, proving to the nation that the promise of America had been whitewashed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, except when it comes for the opportunity of the black man and the black woman. For in a land that declared that the equality of all people, black folks, have been whitewashed into a sea of second-class citizenry, powered by Jim Crow, so what Dr. King wanted America to do is to look at black people, not as John, as John the Baptist had looked at himself, but how Jesus looks at black people and all people well, as being worthy, well, as being capable, as being the folks that if you just level the playing field, it's going to be okay. We don't want a handout. We just want a level playing field. And once you level the playing field, it is no telling what we can do. As I said, Dr. King has been whitewashed. As I said, you and I may have whitewashed ourselves. But let me also make clear that Jesus has also been whitewashed. And one of the biggest whitewashing of Jesus that has occurred is the notion that when he proclaimed, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That's Matthew 5, 5. That weakness and meekness are the same. Meekness does not mean weakness. It doesn't mean that we have to cower or retreat from our principles. It does not involve the surrender of our rights. Dr. King practiced nonviolent intervention. Nonviolent intervention. Being nonviolent takes courage. Being nonviolent takes courage. It takes courage because it is very easily, and it is the human condition that if someone hits me, I'm going to do what? Hit them back. It is the human condition that if we've been oppressed for so long that the only way we can get our way is to have violence against the people who have been oppressing us. Being nonviolent takes courage. Knowing that when you walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, the state troopers were there with bully clubs ready to hit you. Knowing that when you marched, no telling what could happen to you. Knowing that when you sat in on a lunch counter, something was going to go down and it could be violent. Meekness does not mean weakness. 
And that's one of the ways that Jesus was whitewashed. Jesus was not killed on the cross. Jesus gave up his life willingly, and he did that for our sins. Herman Black, remember that painter from Gray? He taught me all about whitewashing. Well, he had this habit of speaking truth to power. Now, he never held any elective office, but nevertheless, Herman Black would show up to public meetings and other events to speak his mind about what was going on. And folks would underestimate him because he would be in his painter's clothes. You know what painters wear. Those clothes are all spattered with paint stuff. But his force in saying what needed to be said could not be whitewashed. So today, if you go to my hometown of Great Georgia, that's a stretch of highway that's named after him. Was he whitewashed? Maybe. But I will never forget his courage in speaking truth to power in Jim Crow South. Now, John, he ended up baptizing Jesus. And as he immersed Jesus in the water in the Jordan River, Jesus came up from the water. And as the scripture tells us, he came up from the water and a dove appeared. And as he came up from the water, the heavens opened up with the voice of God saying this, this is my beloved son who I am well. Dr. King and others did not march and die to be whitewashed. Herman Black did not speak his mind to be whitewashed. And Jesus did not die on the cross for you and I, his children, to be whitewashed. God made all of us equal. And if we truly trust in God, if we truly trust in God, like our money says, you take out our money, on the back of our money it says what? And who do we trust? In God we trust. We must keep his commandment to provide equity, equality, and love to each other. I was really struck last night at the banquet, the human relations banquet, a Martin Luther King banquet, a banquet that you would think that the predominance of the people who were there were black. But the number of scholarships, including the scholarship that we gave out from this church, was given to people who were not black. That's a sign of progress for us. And that shows us that we practice what we preach. If we talk about living in a society and a beloved community where all people are created equal, and even though we have been the oppressed, we are willing to give scholarship money to folks who oppressed us once upon a time. I had a chance to meet Connor Fetterman and his mother. 
he is the young man that we gave the Taylor Scholarship for $1,000. And I thank the Taylor Scholarship Committee for all of their hard work. He is an impressive young man. And he was, he and his mother were so thankful that this church and this Taylor Scholarship Committee decided to give him money. And he promised me and his mother that he would come because he's a music major to perform for us. We are not forgotten. Because we see the good in everyone. We see the opportunity in everyone. So my question today is still this. Will you fall for the whitewash? Will you fall for the whitewash? That you are not good enough. Will you fall for the whitewash that the only scholarships we can give are scholarships for people who look like us? Will you fall for the whitewash that your faults make you ineligible to be a follower of Jesus and that you're just not good enough for God? Or will you listen to Jesus and take his heed and be like John because Jesus sees more in you than we see ourselves. So if you want that for yourself, if you want that for yourself, if you want not to be whitewashed, if you don't want to fall for the okey-doke, pray with me, please. Father, I stretch my hand because there is no other help I need. I am a sinner. I have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. But I come today asking for your forgiveness. I come today thanking you for the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. I come today realizing that like John, you see beyond my faults and you see my needs. Today, Lord, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to save me. I ask you to make me your child. For we will overcome with you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let us sing. So, if you prayed that prayer with me, you are not saved. But as I say every week, your salvation is only as good as where you decide to park it. And when I say park it, I don't mean just park it so that the car can stay there. I mean park it so that you can do some stuff with it. And so what we're trying to do at Greater Bethel is to bring up temper every single day to give you an opportunity at the tree of life. Because here's the thing. We cannot put it off. Yesterday, at the University of Georgia, there was a celebration of all celebrations as folks were celebrating that national championship. There were two people there, one who played for the university, another one who worked in the recruiting office. They were there celebrating like everybody else. And by the time the sun rose this morning, they were dead. Now, I don't say that to scare you. 
But I do say that to say that we never know how much time we have. So don't fall for the whitewash that I'm not good enough to be a child of the Lord. Don't fall for the whitewash that, you know, I'll do this at some other time because I got time. Instead, come to Jesus. So in just a few moments, I'm going to come down. I'm going to hold out my hand. And I hope that you will give me your hand and God your heart. Also, you can come and come for prayer. Also, you can come for rededication. If you're watching us online right now, or, or hearing this again on a podcast, or seeing the rebroadcast when we're on Facebook, because our numbers are going up and up and up for people who watch this service for a second time, you can just reach out to me and call me. Give me a text. My number is 608-358-1309. That's 608-358-1309. Call me or text me. We would love to talk to you about your faith. Now for our benediction, which is a covering of God's grace until we meet again. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of our Holy Spirit, Rest and rule and abide with you henceforth now and forevermore. Let us all say. Thanks is your faithfulness in giving to Greater Bethel that allows us to do the work of the Lord. There are three ways you can give to us. First, you can use Catch App by typing dollar sign Bethel 140. Second, you can give using Giverify. Simply add a Greater Bethel Athens. Finally, you can mail your contributions in to Post Office Box 49773, Athens, Georgia 30604. Thank you and blessings. Find audio content, sermons, blogs, and more on my website, marvinbland.com.